Verse 1 and 2a, we are making progress, right? 2a. According to one author, there is a prison that is the most populated in the world. The facility has more inmates than beds, more prisoners than plates, more residents than resources. Come with me to the world's most oppressive prison. You can ask any inmate and they will tell you they are overworked and underfed. Their walls are bare. Their bunks are hard. No prison is so populated. No prison is so oppressive. And what's more, no prison is so permanent. Most inmates never leave. They never escape. They never get released. They serve a life sentence in this overcrowded, under-provisioned facility. The name of the prison? You see it as you walk through its gates. It's the prison of want. The prison of want. And you've seen her prisoners. They are all in want. They want something. They want something bigger. They want something nicer. They want something faster, thinner. They want, they want better food, better service, better neighbors. They don't want much, mind you. They want just one thing. One new job, one new car, one new house, one new spouse. They don't want much. They want just one. And when they have the one, they will be happy. And they are right. They will be happy. When they have the one, they will leave prison. But then it happens. The new car smell passes. The new job gets old. The neighbor buys a larger TV set. The new spouse has bad habits. The sizzle fizzles. And before you know it, another ex-con breaks parole and goes back to prison again. Are you in the prison of want this morning? You are if you feel better when you have more and feel worse when you have less. You are if joy is one delivery away, one transfer away, one award away, or one makeover away. If your happiness comes from something you deposit, drive, drink, or digest, then face it, you are in the prison of want. That's the bad news. The good news is this, you have a visitor. And the visitor is King David. And he comes in the waiting room and he says, come here, I have a secret for you. And then he says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You see, David in these two verses is telling us that God can meet all of our needs. He is the one who provides green pastures and makes me rest in their provision. Thinking about these two verses 
can give us great joy because it speaks about the glorious gift of contentment. And you know in the Scriptures, it says this, that godliness with contentment is great gain. And this, you would all agree, is a wonderful thing, but many times it's missing in our lives. Discontentment seems part of the human struggle. You know, it was part of the first sin in the Garden of Eden. Eve probably thought that God was trying to keep her from something by not allowing her to partake of the forbidden fruit, and humanity has been struggling with this sin ever since the beginning. There's a story of a man. He wanted to become a monk. So he joined a monastery. And this monastery had a vow of silence, if you can imagine. And the vow of silence was this, that the monks were only allowed to say two words every ten years. So after the first ten years, this monk comes to the abbot, who's the leader of the monastery, and his first two words are, food bad. Then he waits another ten years, and he comes before the abbot again, and he says, bed hard. And then he waits another ten years, and he says to the abbot, I quit. And the abbot looks at him and shakes his head with disgust and says, that's no surprise, you've been complaining ever since you've been here. We all know people, we all know people who have everything and still find room to complain. You know, we are rich and we are restless. Why? Why? Because we're trying to find our satisfaction in our, with what we own or the situation that we're in instead of our relationship with our shepherd, which never changes. And I would think that this problem is even worse because of advertising, modern advertising. Uh, you all have seen it. I, there's a crazy commercial that's been out. It's a bunch of commercials that Matthew McConaughey does, and he's advertising Lincoln's. Well, uh, this one, I looked it up. He's out ice fishing if you can believe this. He's, he's out ice fishing in his Lincoln Aviator, right? And he's sitting in the back of the aviator waiting for the flag to pop up so he can pull in his fish, right? And, and I looked up this thing, you know, I watched this commercial, and I think, this is the craziest commercial. So I looked it up online, and I, I thought, what, what's this commercial? It, it, the name of the commercial is Warm Escape. Warm Escape. And... The message is, if you want to be cool, like Matthew McConaughey, then you got to have a Lincoln Aviator while you're ice fishing, you know? A, a, a Ford pickup truck won't do. It just won't do. You know, it, and you think about it. What is this world always doing with advertising, with, with all the messages we get from this world? It's always trying to push us push us to be discontent. It's saying, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. It, even while we have lush green grass all around us, 
we're tempted to say, if I could just get to the other side, I would be content. I would be happy. You know, I've told you that I have two cats. Oh, Joe's shaking his head. Cats are great. Right, Joe? Yeah. I have two cats. One of them is Sammy, one of them is Ladybug. I've told you this before. Um, Ladybug is a great cat, the greatest cat. Um, and when I go into the bedroom to read a book, I'll lay in bed and I'll start reading this book, and Ladybug will come in, jump up beside me, and go to sleep. You know, and she'll just sleep. And, you know, I can scratch her head, I can do anything. She, she doesn't care. You know why? Because she trusts me. She trusts me as her shepherd, right? Now, I can get up, and Ladybug will be sleeping there, and she'll open her eye, you know, one eye, and look at me, and I'll go over there, and I'll shut the door to the room. And you know what? She won't care. You know why she doesn't care? Because she trusts me. She knows that if I come back and start reading the book, if she needs to go out of the room, she's going to go over there to the door, and she's going to go, and I'll go over there and open the door for her, right? Now, Sammy, on the other hand, if he's in the room with me, and I shut the door, he freaks out. And you know what? That's pretty common for most cats, except for Ladybug, because she trusts me. Sammy doesn't trust me. He freaks out. He starts whining. He starts complaining. He runs over to the door. He tries to stick his paw under the door to pull it open. He starts digging wildly, right? He's crazy because he doesn't trust me. And you know what? Many times we act like Sammy, don't we? We act like Sammy. God closes a door, and we will not be content until we get to the other side. We've got to get that door open. We think happiness and contentment comes when we get that door open. So we try to find contentment in another job or a new house, or by changing our spouse, when all around us is that luscious green grass that God provides. You know, it, it reminds me of a man who was in our church a few years ago. He was dying of cancer, and he told me every time he went for treatment, he's dying of cancer, every time he went for treatment, he would be laying on the gurney, looking up at tiles in the roof, and he would be singing to himself, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Isn't that amazing? He was resting in contentment where God had him. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, he says this, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. You know what? I am so glad Paul said it that way. He didn't say, you know, I'm, I'm content because I'm an apostle. You know, all, all apostles are content. No, he didn't say that. He said, I learned. He had to learn how to be content, and so do we, right? It doesn't come natural. Discontentment comes natural. That's what comes from the flesh. Um, there was a little schoolgirl... She got up in front of an audience. She had memorized Psalm 23, and she was going to 
recite it. She gets up in front of the crowd and she says this, the Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. And then she got scared and sat down. She said, the Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. And you know what? You think about that. That's all we need. When we know how great our God is, when we know how great our shepherd is, that's all we need. Every need is met by him. Every sheep can rest in him. Look back at verse 2 again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Philip Keller wrote a book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's on the back shelf of our bookstore. If you want to look at it, it's a great book. Great book. It explains everything about Psalm 23 and how sheep, you know, how you take care of sheep and a shepherd's um, look at sheep and how, how he deals with sheep. But he says this in the book. There are four things that sheep need before they will lie down in contentment. And the first thing is freedom from fear, then freedom from friction with other sheep, freedom from pest, and freedom from hunger. So let's, let's look at those four things and see how it relates to us as human sheep. And the first one is freedom from fear in order to rest. And, and I told you the last sermon, sheep are very timid animals. I mean, they don't have self-defense. They don't have fangs, you know. Um, they don't have anything to protect themselves. The only thing they can do is run, and they're not that fast. You know, they have stubby little legs. So when a sheep gets nervous, they take off. In fact, I've heard of one incident where a sheep, a flock of sheep, were scared to death because of a little chihuahua. Can you imagine that? They're nippy dogs. <laughs> don't like them. Sorry if you have a chihuahua. But, um, the, you know, they, they, the dog ran into the flock and they stampeded, getting hurt and all that from a little teeny dog. Sheep are timid animals. They panic at the first sign of danger. So what keeps them from fear? It's the reassuring presence of the shepherd. Because he's there to protect them from any danger. And many times we act like sheep and we panic when things get dangerous, right? We do. And, and that's why God calls us sheep, because we are dependent creatures. He is the independent being. We are dependent upon him for every breath that we take. And many times we forget about that, right? We think we can do it all on our own. But that's why so many times in the Bible, it, it reminds us that God is with us. And he will not forsake us no matter what. No matter what. You know, when Moses feared going before Pharaoh, God said, I will be with you. When Joshua feared taking over for Moses and filling his shoes and leading two million stiff-necked people, God said, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is what? 
with you, right? Jesus said, I am, when he talked to his disciples and he was about ready to send them into the world, he said this, he said, I am sending you out in the midst of wolves. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He knew he was sending them into danger, right? But then he says this. He says, lo, I am with you. What a comfort to know that God is always with us, to protect us even when our enemies are near. And with this kind of comfort, then we can lie down. We can lie down in peace. Well, the second requirement for sheep is freedom from friction. And in the animal world, there is an order of dominance, Keller says. You know, chickens have their pecking order. Sheep have their budding order. Okay, and, and usually in a flock, there is one old you who is the boss, who pushes all the other sheep around. And she gets the best bedding places, and she gets the best um, grazing places, because she bullies the other sheep. She bullies the other sheep, which causes a lot of friction. Keller says this, this continuous conflict and jealousy within the flock can be a most detrimental thing. The sheep become edgy, tense, and discontent and restless. They lose weight and they become irritable. But at one point, they all, that always interests me, Keller says, is when I came into view and my presence attracted their attention, the sheep quickly forgot their foolish rivalries and stopped their fighting. The shepherd's presence made all the difference in their behavior. You know, that happens in flocks. It also happens in families, right? When your kids are fighting, what happens when you walk in the room? Hopefully they stop, right? Hopefully they stop. And it happens in human flocks, too. Um, we have many interpersonal strifes sometimes going on, and we, are, we have been especially restless in the past months being cooped up together, right? Um, and many times when you're cooped up together with your family, you start noticing the imperfections of each other, Right? And that can cause friction, um, noticing the frailties of others. And many times, because our shepherd, we don't recognize our shepherd with us, we start looking down on the frailties of others more than we look at the frailties of ourself. And that causes all kinds of problems. Many times when we forget our shepherd is with us, we forget about his mercy, how merciful he's been to us. We forget about his unconditional love. We forget about his forgiveness, his long-suffering, his kindness towards us. And when we do that, what happens is we stop being kind towards others. We stop loving others. We stop being long-suffering with others when we forget about our shepherd being with us. Listen to what one writer says about this. He says, Jesus is so great and so good 
that you would feel absolutely foolish demanding your way in front of him. In the presence of Christ, we see all our little worries as a petty things that they really are. In the presence of Christ, we treat one another with respect because we remember that our shepherd values each one of us. When all we see is one another, we will fight, we will quarrel, but when we see the Lord present with us, we put aside the concerns of self, we care for each other, and we enjoy a sweet and wonderful peace. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It can be that way if we keep our eyes on the shepherd and then he allows us to lie down together in peace. Well, the third requirement for sheep to lie down is to be free from pests. And, and you think about this, um, in the summertime, with cats and dogs and all that, they get a lot of fleas and ticks and all kinds of stuff, right? Well, sheep are the same way. They get things like, uh, uh, Keller says, nasal flies, warble flies, and ticks. And, and when I think of the name of a nasal fly, you know, that just sends shudders up my spine. Can you imagine being a sheep and having flies fly up your nose? You know, and you don't have hands. That's a predicament, isn't it? That makes you very dependent on your shepherd, you know? And so a shepherd's duty is to be a great exterminator. Elizabeth Elliot tells a story of how she watched a flock of sheep with a shepherd and he was being an exterminator. He was dipping the sheep. And, and you know what he did? I mean, these sheep come through, they put them in a tank, and, and they dip them. I mean, baptize them. They take their hand on their head and they put them under. Right? Now, the shepherd... As he's thinking about this, well, that was, that was immersion, too. We won't go into that. So, sorry about that. <laughs> That's another thing we're not talking about. Um, but he, <laughs> he pushes them under. Now, the shepherds, the shepherds um, thinking about loving his sheep, right? He's thinking about getting rid of the pest. But what do you think the sheep is thinking? What are you doing to me? Are you trying to drown me? Are you trying to kill me? If sheep could think, and if they could talk, right? Many times we do that, don't we? So how do you apply this? How do you apply this? Well, you all know, and you're thinking right now, of pests that you have in your life. You know, it might be a person. It might be a circumstance. What do you do when you have pests? You run to your shepherd. You run to the shepherd. You know, he, he isn't there. He isn't there just to protect you from the lions and the tigers and the bears. Oh, my, right? He's there to protect you even from those little, tiny pests that bug you. 
Nothing is too small that he doesn't care about. Now, you know what? We don't believe that. Because many times we think, you know, the only thing I can bring to God is something big. Something big. Not something small. But listen to what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. It says, cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you, because he loves you. Notice what it says there. It doesn't say cast all your big things to God, you know, all the tremendous trials. It says cast all, all your anxieties, every little thing. Why? Why? Because he cares for you. But you know the other reason? The other reason is God doesn't want you just to survive your life. He wants you to have an abundant life. It says that in John. He wants you to have an abundant life. Why? So so you can walk around with joy glorifying Him in whatever you do. You know, if you're walking around like this all the time, woe is me. What kind of an advertisement is, is that for our shepherd? People think, you don't have much of a shepherd, do you? He doesn't take care of your pest. You know, he doesn't take care of those flies that are going up your nose. The fourth area that keeps sheep from resting is hunger. And you know, it's hard to take a nap when your stomach's growling, right? Or when you're having a Big Mac attack. That's dating myself here. Um, It's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to do. But sheep, as it says in verse 2, need green pastures to survive. And you know what? Green pastures are hard to come by. Especially in the Middle East. They they just don't pop up. Uh, In fact, I read an article that said... Um, The best sheep in the Middle East are in Iraq. You know why? Because the Euphrates River provides plenty of water to grow green grass. But still, you all know that. Green grass doesn't just grow. Weeds grow. Green grass takes work. Um, It takes labor, time, money, and skill. But it's essential for sheep to survive. And great shepherds provide great grass. And we have a great shepherd, right? We have a great shepherd, and he feeds us as his sheep well. And we're not talking about grass. We're talking about the Word of God. 1 Peter 2.2 says this, Long for the pure milk of the Word, so that you may grow. You know, we take in God's Word and we grow. It's, it's soul food. Uh, it's soul food. But many times we become like dumb sheep and we think we can find happiness somewhere else. You know, we can find happiness somewhere else. Have you been wandering lately? Come back to the green grass of God's Word. You know, thinking about all this about our shepherd should give us great joy. And knowing that he protects us from our enemies. He promotes peace in the human flock. 
He rids us from pests. And He feeds us in a wonderful way with His Word. But you know what? Knowing these truths doesn't ever translate into doing them. Knowing it doesn't translate always into doing them. And I think sometimes we know a lot about God's Word, but we don't put it into action. And, and we need to remind ourselves all the time about our shepherd. We need to memorize and meditate on Psalm 23 because it's a calm psalm for scared sheep. We have to remind ourselves. Whoa. We have to remind ourselves about our shepherd. We have to keep our mind fixed on his word. And, and it reminds me of uh, the psalmist in Psalm 42. When he faces a trial in his life, he, he says this. He says, why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. He tells us, who's he talking to there? He's talking to his soul. And he's talking to his soul with the word of God. And he's saying, don't get fearful. Don't get depressed. Don't get scared. Put your hope in God. Don't just stand in green pastures, fellow sheep. The Lord is our shepherd. Trust Him. Trust Him and lie down. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You how we can trust You as our great shepherd, that we can trust You with everything, that we can lie down in peace because You take care of us, that You take care of our needs. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us not to wander. Help us not to trust ourselves, which we so easily do. Father, we thank you for the promises in your word that you will provide for us, that you will take care of our needs no matter what we face. Father, what a joy it is to know you as our shepherd. And we pray in Jesus' name.